Martin! Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! And welcome to another episode of Jobber Talks What If Episode 2. Hi, my name is Martin, and today's special guests include my friend John, who co-hosts with me the previous PWR and MWF reviews when we get the time to, and Joseph Montesito, who was featured with our friend Kel Fabi in episode one of What If Goldberg Kept His Streak in WCW. And today's episode for What If Part 2 is What If CM Punk Never Left in 2014? Uh, but before that, John, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Some projects here and there, uh, movie coming out, but, but uh, yeah, doing really good. So uh, watch out for that movie when John reveals it to us in a few weeks and maybe a future episode of Jobber Talk, right, John? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and still trying, to see we're still trying to see if we can, uh, uh, when it's going to be released. So, yeah. And our second guest, uh, Joseph. How are you doing, Joseph? It's been a while. And wow, since our episode, apparently you have a new show. Uh, we'll get to that in a few seconds. Yeah, uh, I'm doing all right. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm excited to talk about CM Punk. But, but yes, CM Punk. But before that, I'd like to continue where we left off. Because, yeah, we know you as intertextuality guy, as Kel mentioned in the last episode of What If. Certainly the intertextuality guy. <laughs> but I never got to ask, well, we never got to ask, what made you make that video? What inspired you? To make that intertextuality video. Those of you who are not comfortable in listening to this part, you may skip 10 minutes after this. We promise there will be what if part two of that time. Okay, Joseph, take it away. So I've been able to think about this uh, more and more ever since I put the video out there. And I think what I really was trying to get at was formula, right? And I feel like uh, the match I talked about, JDL versus Zayden Trudeau uh, at RevOX, was following a very popular formula of wrestling that we see these days. Uh, there's no real name for it. I call it, you know, either the indie formula or the quote-unquote good match formula. It's basically what people kind of envision when they think of, say, a five-star classic from PWG or New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? So we'll see, you know, uh, a mat exchange, technical wrestling at the start. There's going to be a dive to start hyping up the crowd. There were two in the JDL Zayden match. You're going to see, obviously, some nice near falls towards the end. And uh, because of how New Japan's been recently, we're also going to see a lot of finisher counters, which we saw some in that match as well. And it's not necessarily a bad formula at all. And I can certainly understand why uh, JDL and Zayden wanted to work this kind of match. It's sort of what was expected of them on the card to be this like standard of wrestling for that particular card. But the problem is, when you use a formula like that that's so popular... Uh, you open yourself up to a lot of comparisons to people who, by no fault of your own, can do it way better. You know, not necessarily because you're a worse performer or wrestler, but because these other people have access to means that you don't have. They have been working the style for longer. They may have even innovated the style. In the case of people like, say, you know, AJ Styles, uh, Brian Danielson helped innovate a lot of that. 
So I think that's really what I was getting at. Not necessarily that it was a bad match, because I don't think it was a bad match at all. But that the formula was so clear and obvious that it kind of detracts a little from your suspension of disbelief in what you're seeing before you. And again, this is not saying that they're bad performers. Uh, the more I see of JDL, the bigger a fan I am, you know? Yeah, we'll get to that later because uh, apparently you've been watching a lot of videos from PWR, especially Full Mass Fridays. So yeah, um, you can check out a lot of PWR past shows and past matches on PWR's YouTube channel, Full Mass Fridays. And I heard you watch a match against JDL and Ralph. My question was actually, what inspired you? I heard it was certain videos on YouTube that was not pro wrestling. Care to tell us about that? And then your views on the replies of, well, your video, if you want to. Uh, I took a lot of inspiration from people who don't talk about pro wrestling online and some people who do. Uh, a lot of people did point out that the video reminded them of something like Snowbuckle or Real Neat Puro. There's a little bit of that for sure. Uh, but my main influences were people like, say, uh, Lindsay Ellis, who is a video essayist. She used to be known as the Nostalgia Chick. Uh, that's right. I, I love her. She's, she makes fantastic videos. Check her out. Uh, I like people such as uh, Just Right, uh, the YouTube channel. And I enjoy how they take uh, not necessarily an overly critical look, but they like to examine the aspects of art forms that matter to them uh, with a certain, you know, closer analytical eye, whether it be movies, TV shows, and I just wanted to apply that to one of my favorite art forms, which is pro wrestling. And I thought that it would be most beneficial to target that analysis towards local wrestling because I do care about the community and I care about seeing it grow, and I think part of that is seeing it discussed in this particular way. Okay. Uh, thank you for sharing your views as to why it was there, but I hope you don't mind me piping my opinion of this one. Because my opinion is, um, well, I think you got this reply already that first you, this is the first PWR match you saw, and it's not even live. I guess that's why some or most of us had a negative reaction to it at first. Uh, personally, I don't see the formula until you pointed it out, but it's still not there yet. It's not there. I don't know. I think, I don't think they were following a certain formula, like, you know, put it there, like it's scripted, like if it's a form of theater, like blocking A would be the exchange of holds, blocking B a few seconds later, you got to do this move, take this guy out to the ring, do your dive. Maybe, just maybe, here's one thing we can agree on, that that's one of the best matches that you've seen online. Hence why you made a video of that. Am I correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I do try to go through the footage uh, that PWR posts online, uh, specifically because I can't always make it to the live shows. And this is what they're putting out there for public consumption, for free. So I personally thought that uh, what they put out there, they felt could stand on its own. And that those were the conditions that I judged it on. And I do agree with you in that I don't think it was like an entirely conscious, oh, this is the formula, we're going to stick to it. But I do think that people in the local scene and in the wrestling community internationally uh, in general, I think they have an image of what a good match looks like. 
and that more and more that image is getting kind of too similar and too homogenized. And again, that's no one's fault. It's really just how the community is. We have certain standards that we look up to. And I just, I think that there's room for a little change in that perception. How to structure a match. Well, we know certain podcasts that talk about that, especially about the WWE product. But before I sound smarky, dude, I really don't think they're following a certain formula. Again, they're not following a formula. It's just, maybe that's just how they were trained. And they feel like this is how it really is. It's not a formula. It's just spontaneous. They read a crowd, it's live. And I think... Kel already pointed it out to us like after recording that. See, Joseph, it's so different if you watch it in a live audience. Now you understand why the dive happened. As monotonous as it might look like watching from a YouTube video, the atmosphere inside that ringside area, PWR, MWF, or what have you, creates this, let's do this spot here because this is awesome. And the crowd's gonna pop wild and they're gonna love it. And we're going to love it. Uh, that's my reply to that. By the way, Joseph, I heard you're now a new host of Fed Talks. Tell me how that happened. Uh, well, a couple of days after we recorded our first What If episode, uh, Mike Shannon from MWF, he messaged me online. He said, hey, we want to do a podcast that's sort of MWF's version of the Talking Dead or Talking Bad, where just after the show, we just sit down, we talk about it, we get our views on it out. And, you know, I kind of jumped at, at the opportunity. I was like, absolutely. I invested in the product. Uh, I'd love to talk about it, share my views uh, with the creative team, no, no less. And so, yeah, now I'm the host of Fed Talks. It happens after every MWF show. So every MWF, oh gosh, so you got to stay up extra late after the show because we like ended around 10 or 11 p.m. that time. Yeah, yeah we, we, were, we were recording that night until about 1 a.m., uh, but it, it was a good time. It was interesting to get first-hand accounts of the creative process behind a wrestling show, and it was an interesting sharing of views. I told them what I thought uh, I enjoyed in the show. I told them what I didn't necessarily enjoy in the show and you know it, it all came out in a very fun and productive way but yeah um, thank you so much Joseph for agreeing to it because hey we now have a new show post MWF and uh, well, if you get the time to ask them uh, tell them to host it somewhere where we can download it instead of the stream or I, I'm just that bad that I don't know how to freaking download the three episodes of the Fed Talks because I was looking for the download icon so if anyone can help me on the whole downloading thing for Fed Talks please PM me now because I kind of want to put that on my hard drive instead of relying on my bad internet because guys we are in the third world right now third world internet is not helping me do streams like audios or videos or otherwise and again Joseph, thank you as well for, you know, checking out the links I gave you before. Full Match Fridays. Uh, still remember that tweet, huh? <laughs> yeah, and it's always interesting. I, I, I watch so much wrestling that I have to... I really do want to try and make an effort to make time for local footage. Because I think that 
who's going to talk about this stuff but us? So I find it important that you know people like us, uh, fans of the local scene, we keep talking about local wrestling. We keep talking about it. And we keep you know putting it forward in avenues outside of the local wrestling community. Just so we see the kind of progression that we've been making you know as a local community and also uh, how we fit in the larger scheme of professional wrestling in the world indeed and if we do have disagreements just like what we're having now like we have a different viewpoint on you know match structure like you said the checklist you know let's have it in a very well productive manner and thank you for the backstory by the way Joseph so right now John Joseph Welcome to What If Episode 2. What if CM Punk stayed in WWE instead of running away in 2014? So let's set the setting here. It's Royal Rumble 2014. He got eliminated, got beaten up by Kane, chokeslammed through hell, through the announce table. The next Raw, he disappears. A few months later, he leaves WWE unofficially. No one tells them period but eventually he comes out with the podcast episode of Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling episode where he talked about everything else but what if he decided to stay that year and you guys can set the parameters if he still misses a chunk of time in 2014 but comes back or he stays for the Raw after Royal Rumble and how would you book him or how do you think it's gonna come out so, John, are you ready for your take? Well, uh, what you're going to give us is your take on what would happen if CM Punk stayed in WWE on 2014. Guide questions are as follows. Like, would that affect certain events like the WrestleMania moment of Daniel Bryan? How would that affect the final year run of his eventual wife, AJ Lee? And what's his spot going to be in WrestleMania 30 or the rest of the storylines that would revolve around WWE had Punk stayed a bit longer or would still be an active wrestler heck would he still be an active wrestler right now for you due to his medical issues or otherwise are you ready John alright take it away alright so the question is what would happen if CM Punk stayed uh, obviously uh, the first thing the first noticeable thing that would have changed is what happened to Daniel Bryan? Uh, mainly because CM Punk was a or was or positioned himself as a sort of people's champion, like voice of the voiceless and all that that jazz that he was uh, he was uh, talking about through, from 2011 onwards. And Daniel Bryan too had a similar sentiment that he was uh, the representation of uh, everybody that's been put down by their bosses or. Everybody who's been walked on. Basically, he's the underdog. So they're both underdogs. With CM Punk representing the underdog with a bit of an edge. While Daniel Bryan was more the white meat underdog. Now, if CM Punk had stayed, uh, it may have detracted from some of Daniel Bryan's momentum. Because there were two people's champions. But him leaving made it definitive that Daniel Bryan would be that guy. 
that guy who would stand for everybody who not only felt uh, betrayed by the vagaries of their lives, but also of everybody who was not satisfied with WWE booking. Remember, he was a uh, he was a uh, he and CM Punk were the rebel voices against or the rebel the rebel symbols against this kind of uh, of uh, burying this uh, John Cena wins lol and, and having two of them meant that your energies and your loyalties were sort of diluted but without CM Punk you have Daniel Bryan as the unequivocal people's champion and I think that made the moment all the more sweeter uh, in fact I think if it was true that Daniel Bryan winning was a last minute audible or was something they had to go back and forth on if CM Punk were there WWE might not have even made that call so there is an element of that because between Daniel Bryan and CM Punk at that point in time, CM Punk had, I think, more pedigree under the spotlight than Daniel Bryan. So if the WWE was, or the brass was forced to choose which voice of the voices, which people's champion they would somehow shoehorn into the scene, they might have gone with CM Punk. If Now, as to the other question, uh, medical leave, I think... If WWE had given CM Punk some time off, uh, well, for one thing, I don't know what sort of time off we're talking about. Uh, how long would that have been? But then again, listening to the story he told on the uh, the uh, on Colt Cabana's podcast, I think he was he was gone either way. Time off or no, he probably just would have used the time off to shave more time off his contract. But I really don't think he would have lasted beyond WrestleMania. If ever. Yeah. Maybe a bit more if they had given him the main event instead of Daniel Bryan. But yeah, I don't see it I don't see him lasting long beyond that because uh if your beef is with the once in future management in Triple H, there's no way to make a healthy living in that environment anymore. I wasn't I'm not really all that familiar with his wife's run. I think that was like the end of the Divas era, so sort of he was like the small opening that they needed to do the women's revolution. Because like the year after, she was like complaining like, you know, I've been doing a lot of things here. And we're still getting paid less here. The women in WWE are still getting paid less here. So she's like the women's revolution before the women's revolution happened with Paige, Charlotte, Becky, and everyone else. She was like the chapter one before it blew up. And became the four horsewomen from NXT entering there and helping Paige do the new era of women. Ah, all right then. Uh, if she truly was that, then you could surmise that her grievances are just as deep as her husband's. In which case, yeah, she was. I think she was inevitably gone as well. I don't think she would have outstayed her husband uh, if he had decided not to just walk out. Uh, they would have gone together, I think. Yeah. So, what else would have been affected? If he would have been still active as a wrestler today, uh, I don't think so. I think I think the WWE just sucked the love of wrestling right out of CM Punk. And he was done. And I, in fact, I think the MMA thing was a bad idea. It's just too old to start. Didn't really have the background. Uh, he really should have just stayed retired. Although to this day, I think he's there's they're still teasing the like the CM Punk return confirmed is still like a an inside joke. <laughs> yeah, he may still have some of that left in him. I don't know. 
but he usually sounds very bitter about wrestling. So to my ears anyway, it doesn't sound like he's geared to return. And I don't think even if everything else broke right after Royal Rumble, he would still be active today. I don't think he would have signed an extension. Uh, I, in fact, it's just a matter of betting when he walks out. Yeah, he just, I guess, picked the earliest convenience available to him. Thanks, John, for your thoughts. Uh, how about you, Joseph? Uh, what's your uh, idea if Punk stayed in 2014 and how long would he have stayed after staying put that same year? Okay, so in the scenario that I kind of worked out in my head, I think it's a little more optimistic. I think one thing that I can say for sure is that if Punk had stayed, his general credibility and legacy as a public figure would have been much better than it is now. These days, he's, his credibility has kind of tanked, you know, getting sued by his best friend, Colt. His, I mean, let's face it, it's congratulations for trying. You failed as a mixed martial artist. You know, you are not the caliber of athlete that can make a living doing that. And that's not your fault. You're too late. You're too old. But I think that if he had stayed, things would have at least been better for his legacy, uh, how he's perceived by the public. As for the specifics, I think he takes a little time off after the Royal Rumble. He probably does walk out, but let's say he comes back, right? Let's say he comes back. Number one thing, I do believe the plan at the time was Punk versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. So immediately, some of the effects, uh, we lose the Brian Triple H match of the night from WrestleMania 30. Instead, it's replaced with Punk Triple H, which I'm pretty sure would not have been as good. Uh, I don't think Punk has ever been as clean and neat in the ring and as... Uh, smart worker-wise as Daniel Bryan. He's still a spectacular worker, but he's not Daniel Bryan. I think that we miss out on some of the best moments in the WrestleMania 30 build. We wouldn't necessarily have had the Yes movement, you know, when the, all the fans crowded the ring. Uh, we wouldn't have had the Triple H beat down on Daniel Bryan. He would have probably beaten down CM Punk. That might have made a good raw angle. Close the show with you know Triple H trying to drown CM Punk in the water basin. Uh, that would have been good, right? Uh, I do believe Punk goes over Triple H at WrestleMania 30 because despite uh, Hunter's bitterness, I don't think he's really shown any kind of hesitation to do the job in his later years. He's I can't remember the last time he's won a WrestleMania match, so I do think he would have lain down for Punk. Um, from there. Uh, 2014 was a weird time. Uh, I think there's a slight possibility that we get an Eddie Benoit moment at the end of WrestleMania 30. He might have come out and celebrated with Brian because I do think that still happens. I think Brian still gets the belt. Um, but from there, we do have the interesting situation of Brian gets injured. Uh, he has to give up the unified world title. And I don't think... Punk wins the title, but I do think he'll be in contention. I think we still get the Cena-Lesnar destruction <laughs> at SummerSlam. Yeah, one of my favorite matches ever, by the way. But I don't think we get a Night of Champions rematch. I think they would have fed Punk to Lesnar, uh, which would have been an amazing match, SummerSlam 2013. A rematch would just be out of this world. And I think that 
from this point, Punk kind of jumps around from feud to feud, uh, winning some here, losing some there. I do think that 2015 is still a mess. I think that if Punk stayed until 2015, Roman Reigns would be even worse for wear than he is now because you know Reigns would have gone over Punk at some point in that WrestleMania 31 buildup. Uh, it's likely he probably throws Punk out of the 2015 Rumble, which uh, it was bad enough that Daniel's out, but if you're going to throw out Punk too, Philadelphia's going to murder, murder Roman Reigns. I love Roman Reigns, but the booking was completely mishandled. Um, one interesting thing that I do want to talk about is if Punk leaves, does the WWE force Brian to retire? Because I was thinking about it, and I was wondering that if all, all the pressure that Punk put on WWE Medical with the Colt Cabana podcast, I think that might have potentially influenced Vince and WWE Medical to be hyper-cautious with Daniel Bryan. I think if he had stayed, we might not have had a Daniel Bryan retirement. And that clearly changes so much of history as well. Now, the best case scenario for me with Punk staying is if he gets past the 2015 Mania, right? He's not going to get the main event, no way. Uh, it's still going to be Reigns-Lesnar. But I think that there's a chance that he'll stick around to work with Seth Rollins, who would have left uh, with the title at the end of WrestleMania 31. Uh, I think that the best case scenario here is that Punk regain some of the motivation by seeing a lot of workers that he's voiced respect for coming into the business. Uh, if he had the chance to work with Rollins, Ambrose, AJ Styles was on the way in. I think that's the best case scenario of what will make him stay. But otherwise, uh, I'm pretty much agreed that mentally he was completely out of it. Um, Definitely, he could have left at any time after this. I do think, though, that if he had waited it out and waited for that resurgence of indie talent that came out, you know, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, one of his classic opponents, and, of course, all the new talent that came with that, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Almas, Gargano, I think there could have been something to keep him around longer. But I, here are things that I don't think happened. I don't think he ever... Main events WrestleMania up to this point, and I don't think he'll ever uh, get a run with the top championship again. All right, thanks, Joseph. And actually, we may have a similar idea because I see that Punk will never go past 2015. But yeah, he stays. And I still think, though, that the Daniel Bryan saga will continue because, in my reality, he will take some time off post Royal Rumble. And if he finds out the staff infection, and this is like WWE approved, he might have to go through middle of 2014 to be absent, which gives him more time off to recover. And the same time, he gets married to his wife. So when he comes back, it's actually that SummerSlam where, where you're talking about it's Cena Lesnar. Cena is sent to Suplex City. But after the match, the guy that Paul Heyman delivered a pipe bomb about comes to the ringside, delivers a GTS to Brock Lesnar, and they start their feud the whole of that year. 
until early 2015 when they diverged because I think this is about the time where Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns have to do their feud. Brock's the champion and whatnot. And this time it's CM Punk setting his sights on the current Money in the Bank winner, Seth Rollins. And this feud goes to WrestleMania where he dares Rollins to defend his Money in the Bank title that day. And instead of Rollins losing to, you know, Randy Orton via a stomp into an RKO, it's, it's gonna be CM Punk getting his GTS countered by Rollins via roll-up for him to do his WrestleMania moment there. But this is where the destinies of both AJ Lee and CM Punk, you know, go at the same time. Because in the current timeline... AJ Lee finishes her career the Raw After Mania. And this is where Punk gets his Raw After Mania finish. He won't get the Mania main event, of course. But the night after, he is gonna have at least one more match. This time with the new champion. And they're gonna put on a great main event and Raw. But sadly... He's still gonna put Seth over clean. And it's way better than putting him over than Roman Reigns. Because he doesn't want Roman Reigns to look good. Apparently, because he keeps on talking about that in the podcast. Gotta make Roman look, Roman look strong. <laughs> I think he got sick of that. Um, but now the next question is Daniel Bryan's health condition. I think even without the podcast, they're gonna have to think Oh crap, Punk had the staph infection. We gotta check up on Debry, Randy, and whoever else they were checking up on. Eventually it became Paige, because he also had to retire due to injury. That was similar to Daniel Bryan. So, in the Daniel Bryan question, I think his fate still happens. He still has to be a forced retiree. <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> Actually, in regards to the, the the injury thing, yeah, I think I do believe Daniel Bryan would have still been forced to retire because I think uh, the catalyst for that was not so much Punk's revelations about staff infection, but the fact that a class action lawsuit was filed against WWE by a lot of former wrestlers, uh, especially in the wake of the early deaths of I don't remember, uh, but yeah, there were some early wrestler deaths involving concussion. And that would have that I think was the trigger for the new uh, hyper awareness with regards to long term injuries. And come on, if if the if the guy you're supposed to evaluate lied to you about having seizures in the ring, you're not gonna put that guy in the ring ever again. I think if I I don't think I'm still on the fence of whether or not it was a good idea to unretire Brian now, because you know the guy's the guy's health. Is still a big question mark, uh, and I think he was doing well in his role as a, a GM. Uh, honestly, a lot better than Paige, <laughs> if only because Daniel Bryan is a more engaging personality than Paige. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I think uh, Bryan still retires, but yeah, I, I like I like both of your best case scenarios. In, in my head, my best case scenario, if it ever came down to that would be Punk doing what Jericho is doing now, only with more 
edge and more anger. Like, Jericho still tries to skirt around. Oh, Vince McMahon approved this. Vince McMahon's fine with this. CM Punk would have gone through all of it with a middle finger raised in the air. Like, I think the sad part about that kind of suggestion is that he almost had the chance to do it. Uh, if he just, at Money in the Bank 2011, his contract was legitimately up. And, you know, if he had just chosen not to re-sign... Uh, he would have been everywhere and I feel like he would have had a much healthier schedule I think one of the possibilities is that he does walk out but with a much brighter outlook on wrestling and he could have gone the path of what maybe Cody is doing now Um, imagine if he and Cody had co-promoted All In which was in Chicago obviously a lot of the rumors were is Punk All In no he's not he's too sad and bitter and angry to be in All In but if he had been that would have been a, a game changer but yeah speaking of bitter like yeah I said that's my best case scenario that he leaves 2015 but for me he's still gonna be bitter he'll just be less bitter so after he leaves with the wife obviously he's just happy to be the married guy Doing stuff with Marvel Comics, occasionally being a guest of the Talking Dead, you know. But will he wrestle with everything that happened? Nah, guys. For me, my scenario is like, that's it. He's done. He's sadly still going to do MMA. And at one point, him and Colt Cabana will still have a falling out. He might still do the episode after he leaves WWE. Puts... Eamon under the bus <laughs> somehow, some way. Chris sues him and Cabana either way. It's just like a one year extension, but he's less bitter about it. And, you know, he has a better ending in WWE. But I still feel he's gonna do the MMA route, apart with the Marvel Comics thing with Thor and whatnot. Heck, I think he's gonna do Drax now. I don't know. Just I'm not a Marvel guy anymore. Sorry. Actually, with the with the MMA thing, here's my the way I see it. Uh, the way I see it, the MMA uh, his MMA phase was a way to scratch a wrestling itch. He could no longer scratch. Like he wanted to be done with wrestling, and yet some aspect of wrestling still stayed with him. Probably the combat aspect. Although I don't think it's that. I think it's just being. In front of a crowd, uh, doing something combat-related, uh, and I think that was what MMA was to him. Uh, he, that's why I think he sucked at it. Uh, so I think he st- would still have had a wrestling itch, and if he had scratched it, he probably would not have done MMA. Yeah. So let's say Punk uh, does walk out, right? What's the best-case scenario for him if he stays in wrestling, but not in the WWE? Like, do you guys have ideas where would he might have gone? Uh, opponents he might wanted to have worked with, if he had chosen to stay in the business but not in the WWE. Well, if the course is still like they do the podcast, they get sued, and what's happening right now between him and Colt, I don't think he's still gonna think about wrestling. But if he did stay, it's a bit limited now because. Well, he'll still see Colt now. <laughs> but if they didn't fall out, maybe... I doubt he's going to be all in. I think he'll do one or two spot shows for ROH. He might be A-OK doing House of Hardcore with Tommy Dreamer's guys. You know, him and Tommy Dreamer and company. 
Japan. I don't know. Is he? Does he wanna go abroad? He doesn't seem to be like that guy. Did he even go abroad when he was pre WWE? It seems like he was stuck in the indie scene in America. TNA, ROH. Was there an NJPW somewhere? Unless him and Jericho are best buds, there's little to no reason for him to even go to Japan or abroad or even go to Mexico. I doubt he's going to Mexico. Uh, do you think there's an opening for him to do NJPW? You guys? I know. Right, maybe. I think in 2014, uh, I think there is a good chance he does go to Japan. Mainly if he's trying to scratch a wrestling itch and one of his complaints was that he was sick of the WWE style and he wanted better competition. Japan definitely would have been an option. Especially in 2014, that was AJ Styles in there. Uh, have uh, Okada reaching his height. Uh, there was, And New Japan was hungry for Western talent. Remember, this is when they were already beginning to think we should start a Western expansion. So I think somebody there would have thought, all right, let's try to get CM Punk. Uh, let's see where he's at. And CM Punk, that, that would have been one hell of a coup. So I think he would have gone, especially if you're if in your scenario, this was 2015. AJ had just left. They needed new Western talent. Uh, Okada needed... Oh, no, no, Kenny Omega needed something to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he, would have, he could have gone to New Japan, especially if it was, it was something new. Uh, it was something, I think, even his wife would have liked. Oh, that's it's a Japanese vacation, new culture, honeymoon. Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah, uh, I think he, there there would have been a good chance he goes to Japan or goes abroad for the first time of his in his career, if only as in your case to just get away from all the American drama. Yeah. And Japan is as good a place as any to scratch that wrestling itch, especially with all the talent he would have encountered there. Uh, I also think Japan was probably his best bet. Uh, at the time that he left, uh, 20, uh, hypothetically, let's say 2015, right? Uh, I don't think ROH was at that point a brand worth his name. Uh, ROH fell off a deep, deep cliff in around 2011, 2012, around that time. And uh, by this point, they're just New Japan's little american brother that hey let's run msg together we'll we'll let you have the credit but we're the ones selling the tickets everyone knows it but i do think he goes to japan and i think if he goes to japan we don't see uh the rise of kenny omega for a little longer i think he takes that spot as the aj styles replacement he'll be the hottest gaijin heel in the world hottest property in the world cm punk coming back to wrestling uh, Kenny Omega, who knows? Uh, at this point, uh, he, his IWGP reign, if Punk had gone to New Japan, would have been delayed by, I'd say, a year or two, considering how long and long-term Gato's booking cycles are. So I think that's one interesting uh, possibility that could have gone down. So if CM Punk went to Japan, and presumably he goes to Bullet Club, what would have been his Bullet Club shirt? I think it's the Chicago flag, but in black and white. Villain what, club. Villain club? Punk club? <laughs> punk club, I guess. Um, but fine, if he does go to Japan, I feel like he might not even be Bullet Club. 
he'll make it his own thing. Because he's CM Punk. He doesn't want to be part of NWO. He wants to be his own. He wants to be the straight edge society. He wants to be the new Nexus, not Nexus. He takes over stables. But uh, I don't know. I, I still don't feel. I s he'll take over both clubs, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't see him going abroad. He's just gonna call it in. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, guys, thank you for your insights on the CM Punk thing. And it might give me a good idea for episode 3 or 4. What if CM Punk did not resign in 2011 and the summer punk was legit and we have a preview here? Well, let. He could have saved ROH. <laughs> or, or maybe he would have done the AJ Styles run earlier because AJ left Impact Wrestling and he did a great run abroad on the indies. He did the Bullet Club, right? So would that have been CM Punk's trajectory? Uh, not to give away too much if you do decide to do that episode, right? Uh, just feel free to cut this out if you think it's too spoiler. But I think the money match, if Punk had left in 2011... The money would have been Punk versus Steen because they were doing very similar gimmicks at the time, and uh, that would have really helped ROH out. Oh, nice, nice. See, preview we might get him or someone else who we know soon. <laughs> yeah, we're totally spoiling you guys a lot now. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys, John. Thank you. Oh, if you want to talk about a certain movie project right now, uh, feel free. I don't want to talk about it without a release date, so maybe the next podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. And uh, Joseph, um, I take it we will hear more of you this month at Fed Talks, because what's happening on MWF side of things? Uh, yeah, I'm hosting Fed Talks, so definitely watch out for that. That's going to be MWF, MWF 5, Todos Los Wrestling. That's October 28th. Uh, if you want to see other stuff from me, check out my page on Facebook. That's Joseph Montesilio. I'll be doing some stand-up this month. So I hope to see you there. All right. And way before Todos the Wrestling, the Sunday before, we got Shake, Wrestle and Roll, PWR. And it's going to be in my favorite city and yours, Mandaluyong City. It's 500 Shaw Centrum. And uh, Joseph... You just got to costume as your favorite wrestler, and maybe we get a prize. Maybe a splash from Redrick Mahaba, or a a chop from Lad Sinsik, or even better. Nah, just kidding. Uh, well, I have no idea what the prize is going to be, but I'm excited to see everyone in their favorite costumes. And maybe also in MWF, they'll have costumes, because it's... Halloween weekend for MWF and it's like the week before Halloween weekend for PWR. It's like wrestling and Halloween. Can't go wrong with that unless you're talking about Faces of Fear. You could say we're brewing up some Halloween havoc. <laughs> I already know who you should go as, Marty. I mean, you're, you're a white guy who's bald and there's this other white guy who's bald who happens to be a, a very important figure of Philippine wrestling. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I need to lose a lot of weight and have abs and be Carl Anderson, but come on, man. I can do the machine gun. Nah, no, stick with the classic. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't feel comfortable wearing a robe. <laughs> 
anyway, guys, jokes aside, thank you, John. Thank you, Joseph. And thank you, Joseph, again for talking about the video. And yeah, you know, we still may or may not agree to it. Of course, I don't have my agreements to it. But hey, it's always good to talk to you guys. So maybe in the next episode of What If or an episode after that, for sure, we're gonna talk about something here way before Christmas. And thanks, guys, for tuning in to Jobber Talk. Please support Philippine Wrestling. They got two shows this year, uh, this month. PWR, October 21, Shaw 500. MWF, October 28, yeah, at UP Bahay ng Alumni. So if you can't make to one of them, you can make it to at least the other one. Or if you got the time to go to both venues, why not? Because you're missing out on something special here if you're in the Philippines and within the Metro Manila area. Please do check them out. Because I know I may or may not make it to both of them or just one of them. But still, guys, try. Uh, we're still a growing industry and yeah we may or may not have the same viewpoints but hey at the end of the day it's wrestling guys let's enjoy let's let's cheer on and support our guys our local talent and speaking of support please help this site unsuck by being a monthly patron that's patreon.com slash channel 14 we're also on the twitter that's at ch14 we got a youtube page just like joseph but our youtube page is kind of dead on water so check out old episodes of third world linux there if you want or check it out on channel14.com yes we still have third world linux third world gaming bodega nights and my favorite show and yours radio norm and that's it on behalf of john and joseph this is martin see you guys again on the next show bye bye